Your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast. Welcome inside episode 388 of the Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Ross Levitan, sitting right across the table from Brandon Pillar up in Collingwood. And we've got a busy show today because these Brady Kachuk negotiations are swerving back and forth, at least if you've followed Sean Simpson, who's stirring the pot at every turn on Twitter, because it seemed like the eagle had landed. And then it turned out the reporting was a little premature because it was Brady Kachuk's car that has made an appearance in Ottawa. But the Sens, hopefully future captain, is not yet in town because there's no contract signed just yet. However, Elliot Freeman did have a report last night. We'll share that with you. Ask Pilsy if his panic button is pressed yet. And then we'll turn our attention to the up-and-coming prospects in the organization. Elite Prospects put out their top 100 affiliated rankings. And oh, you'll want to hear where Jake Sanderson ended up on that list among two of his Nodak Sens teammates. Finally, we'll finish up the show with four more of our organizational value rankings. And I mentioned the number four because one of the players that we have had on this list just scored four goals in his first WHL scrimmage before heading to Ottawa, where development camp starts tomorrow. That's right. Senators hockey is back. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Today is Friday, September 10th in Pilsy. What a wild last 48 hours in the Brady Kachuk negotiations. Has the false report from Wayne Scanlon and then the continued pot stirring from Sean Simpson, has that inched you closer to the panic button? No, my I'm not touching the panic button here, Ross. And it's important to remember that I think every time we start getting panic about Brady Kachuk, look around the league and just calm yourselves down. If Brady Kachuk was the only big RFA not signed, then I think I might be smashing that panic button. But this seems to be uh, a thing for everyone in the league. Everyone's kind of waiting, trying to figure things out, trying to work on the deal here. But for me, I'm not getting wrapped up in this um, Brady Kachuk, where is he, where isn't he saga. I think this is 2021. You can sign a deal without having to physically be in Ottawa. And you can get to Ottawa easily. So I think uh, everyone just needs to calm down with Brady's whereabouts. He's fine. He's going to sign a contract. Like, does anyone still think there's a chance he might not sign a contract. Maybe, I mean, we want it to happen before training camp, but before the regular season, there's not a doubt in my mind he'll have a contract ready. So everything that's happening until then is we're, we're just kind of waiting it out. Yeah, and you look at the most recent report by Elliot Friedman, and that's where I think there's the most credibility, safe to say. Um, Carlson is not a Tampa Bay Lightning, and that's just in reference to you know who on Twitter who, I mean, he had such a great run when he unblocked everyone. He was being such a good guy. And now he's just snapping back at anybody who disagrees with you. And I think we need to get in a boxing ring, the Ottawa Sun Rider and Simmer, because they're going head to head, toe to toe. It's a heavyweight belt with 
I don't know, pride on the line. Like it's, it's seeming like one, it's obvious, just negative, negative, negative coming from one side and then overly ambitious, I believe from the other. So maybe play it down the middle and why not get to what Elliot Friedman said regarding Brady Kachuk's negotiations. And let, let's double down on what Pilsy just said as well, because in the last article that Friedman put out last night, right below the Brady Kachuk news, was Kaprizov news, was Quinn Hughes and Elias Pettersson. All these RFAs still unsigned. So here's what he said. And Pierre Dorian did the media tour, as you'd expect, after signing his three-year extension. You can go back and listen to our last episode on YouTube or anywhere you download your podcast. We broke down Dorian's extension, what it means, whether it was earned, all that good stuff. But while he was talking to the Fan 590 in particular, he mentioned that there's no... They're not lacking confidence that he will be signed by the beginning of training camp. So, Freeman further divulges, quote, Over the last little while, the word is that the Senators and Kachuk have been grinding away on a long-term deal, believed to be similar to Thomas Shabbat's 8x8 extension. If that can't get done soon, it's very possible that the two sides will switch to try something shorter. What that says to me, Elliot Friedman, is that both sides agree getting Kachuk in training camp is a priority. What is your reaction to that, Pills? Well, I think it's great that at least both sides are like, look, we may be on different sides of the table, but we want you here for training camp. Brady knows that, uh, Ross, you're laughing because we're at different sides of the table. We're at different sides of the table right now as well. But um, Brady, he, as a player, he wants to be there for training camp, of course, right? And he's a leader on this team. It'd be so awkward if Brady's not there for training camp. And then if you're the Ottawa Senators, it's kind of a stain on you if your top player isn't at your training camp, especially if you're trying to ride the momentum of that hot stretch last season. Like, you don't want anything kind of disrupting that positive vibe. Now, as far as what Elliot said, uh, that's, that's probably true. And I think it's not really new news. It's just kind of reassuring that things are going on. Like, I think everyone wants a long-term deal, even Brady, but he wants it at the right uh, amount. You know, he wants to make sure he feels respected. He wants to make sure he's not leaving too much money on the table, all those kinds of things. I think what is going to end up happening is they're going to try to work on this long-term deal. If it's eight by eight or even in that neighborhood, awesome. I love that for all sides involved. But if they're not able to hammer that out, then I think Brady's going to try to get that bridge deal, just like Matthew. And I think that's where we could see things head if they're trying to get him ready in time for training camp. Because then either side isn't too worried about making regrets on an eight-year deal, right? Like maybe the Sens are like, you know what, we'll overpay you from what we think for a three-year deal. Because it's not that big of a deal. Three years is going to be up. You're still going to be an RFA. We can still control you in the next contract. And Brady might be like, you know what? I'll try to cash in a couple extra bucks on my bridge deal. And then once that's done, we can focus on the long-term deal. So either way, I'm not too worried. I just, I would like for this to get done before training camp, but I have no uh, issues or worries that it's not going to get done by the time uh, the Sens are playing the Leafs in the regular season opener. That's a little bit further away because we've got preseason first and foremost. Senators training camp, by the way, opens on September 22nd. So, I mentioned off the top, tomorrow is development camp. That's for a five-day period. Then, Sean Donovan, Jesse Winchester will go upstairs and take notes, watch from above, and Troy Mann and his Belleville Senators staff will take over 
And why do they have a, a real coaching staff? That's because they're going to be playing real games against the Montreal Canadiens on September 18th and September 20th. I would believe September 21st would be an off day. Maybe the charity golf tournament. Don't know whether that's having, happening in a COVID world. But then September 22nd is Senators training camp. And only four days later, Pilsy and I will be at the Canada Life Center in Winnipeg for the opening game of preseason. And just to finish off this thought, and by the way, credit to Dean Brown, always putting out these uh, countdown clocks. We are 34 days away from the Senators season and home opener against the blue team who will have sky high expectations. It'd be a real shame, real shame if they started the season. Oh, and one, oh, and two actually, because then after that first game of the year, Ottawa goes right to Toronto for Saturday night, hockey night in Canada. And oh boy, it cannot happen soon enough. I know I'm going to be betting on that game at bet online, the number one home for all locked on podcasts, sports wagering locked on, and the Bet Online team. We've got a great relationship going, and we want you to head over to betonline.ag right now. There, you can sign up for a free account. And when you do, make sure you use our promo code locked on. It's a real easy promo code locked on, and you'll just get 50% welcome bonus. How great is that? You put in $100, bingo, bango, bongo, $50 that you can put on that Senators home opener against the Toronto Maple Leafs, where we know they're going to be home underdogs. And we know how those games typically end up. Matthews could score four goals. They'll still lose as long as it's in overtime or whatnot. So make sure you go to betonline.ag right now. Use promo code locked on, and that'll get you in the action. So use our promo code locked on to get that 50% welcome bonus. And we'll see you in the action. It's Bet Online, your online sports book experts. Yeah, Ross. And if you're getting in the action, like what's the point of betting on a game and then not watching it? You want to make sure you can watch it. Watch your money girl. Watch the Leafs maybe get up to a quick lead and then the send storm all the way back to win it for that home opener. So if you want to do that, make sure you've got your TV together with direct TV stream, guys. I'm telling you, this is the place to get your TV. Get rid of all those remotes, all those controllers. No more digging under the couch to try to find your remote. No more looking through your phone and trying to remember your old passwords for all your streaming uh, subscriptions. Did I put a capital on that one? Does this password need numbers? No, forget that. Direct TV stream is going to get your TV together. Your favorite shows, your favorite sports, and your favorite movies all in one place. It's that simple. That means no more juggling remotes, no more needing to buy another device again. And the best part, and this is crucial, I think a lot of companies, they try to get you in with annual contracts and get you stuck and you got to pay big cancellations. No annual contract with DirecTV. So get rid of the clutter, get rid of the confusion, and get your TV together. I'm telling you guys, with DirecTV Stream, you can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Com. Compatible device required. Contents vary by package. Check it out at directtv.com. All right, Pilsy. A, a sad memory before we move on to the NHL prospect rankings from Elite Prospects and back to our organizational value rankings. And that's yesterday was the 10-year anniversary of a horrific plane crash in Russia uh, in the KHL. Yaroslav Locomotive, 44 people passed away, including two former Ottawa Senators and Pavel Dimitra 
and Carl Rakunic, two guys who were loved during their time here. It's too bad Pavel Dimitri didn't have a longer stay in Ottawa because he was a hell of a player with L.A. and with St. Louis later on in his career. But I did think it was worth mentioning because it kind of really woke up the KHL to how their travel was uh, suspect at best. And uh, we, we just wanted to acknowledge the, the 44 lives lost there and uh, just pray that that kind of tragedy never happens in the hockey world again. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, any time where you get a, an entire team that uh, ends up in tragedy over a transportation issue, that's tough. I mean, we've seen a bunch of them over the years. And as, as sad as it is, like you said, at least it did kind of wake up the KHL and, and say, hey, this can't continue to happen. Because if you if you listen to people that played in the KHL before that crash happened, they were like, yeah, this was a normal occurrence that you got on a plane and you're like, I don't feel really safe here. And it's unfortunate that that's the way things turned out. Cause like you said, Pavel Dimitra, that guy had one hell of a career and could have had a couple more good years for sure. So definitely uh, sad to hear about that and sad to remember that, but hopefully the KHL, it seems like everything's kind of sorted out at this point and things are uh, in a much better place. Yeah, I well said it's impossible to transition out of that, but we will mention that the elite prospects did put out their top 100 NHL affiliated players who are all not or sorry who are all Calder eligible so take out Alex Foreman and take out um who else am I missing here Tim Stutzla obviously so many other guys and when we did our top 10 sends prospects we used the same calculation so you can go back it's our most viewed on YouTube and we appreciate that make sure you go listen to it and then you can compare that list with elite prospects it's funny enough we had the same top three as they did however only three senators prospects made their top 100 let's start at the top 96th jacob bernard docker were you surprised he was a little bit lower I wasn't too surprised just because I think uh, as Sens fans, obviously we we've watched him closely and we know what he's able to do. But if you're watching from afar and without kind of a, a bias towards the team that he's drafted by, I can see how you, you think JBD is a great defender. He's a good two-way guy, but the offense just isn't flashy. There's no highlights there. Uh, we talked to Mitch Brown about it and he said one of the things with JBD's offense is he often just goes for just a casual wrist shot, which doesn't really get a lot done. It often gets uh, blocked, sticks in the lane, doesn't make it to the net, or it's an easy save for a goalie if he can see it. So some, that's something that JBD is going to have to work on. But I think we're comfortable knowing that he doesn't have that offensive flair because we see him partnered best beside a partner that does have an offensive flair, and he can kind of be the responsible guy that holds back and allows a guy like, uh, I don't know, let's say a Thomas Shabbat to skate the puck up the ice with ease, not worry about having um, no one behind him to cover up his tracks. That's something that JVD can do really well. And I think that's something that's very valuable at an NHL level. But when you're working up through the ranks, it, it doesn't really pop off the page like some of these other prospects who are creating highlight reel plays and uh, are racking up the points. So for JBD to be down at that level, it's not that much of a surprise. And I'm not too worried about it. We know what we got in JBD. Do you remember what I said to Mitch Brown when he, he mentioned that JBD just puts wrist shots on net? Uh, no, I don't. What'd you say? I told him it makes it a lot more inviting when you've got Tyler Boucher or, or Brady Kachuk just hammering away at rebounds and making it impossible for the goalie to see the puck. By the way, just because I mentioned Tyler Boucher, he posted his first practice at Boston University 
Big numbers guys here on the show. He'll be wearing number 19. That's a skill number for Tyler Boucher at Boston University. I shot him a DM asking if that was in honor of Joe Thornton not taking his head off back when he put on the goalie gear at practice with the Sharks. If you missed our interview with Brian Boucher, make sure to go check that out. All-time stories about not only going up head-to-head against Joe Thornton, but then you're looking at the day where his sixth birthday was almost ruined by Alex Ovechkin on uh, the day where he did that corkscrew goal on Brian Boucher. Okay, I digress. We get back to elite prospects. So they had JBD at 96. The next guy on the list, I think he's a little bit low, but we know how high I am on the bean, Shane Pinto, coming in at number 38. Was that about where you expected him to be, Pilsy? Yeah, that's kind of the area. Uh, I'm with you. I would say he's a little bit higher, mostly because I think when we saw Shane Pinto's face-off stats in college, amazing, right? Like, did what, what was that one game where he went 18 for 20 or so? No, it was 18 for 18, wasn't it? It was a perfect game. Yeah. So, like, he's able to really snap it back at a lower competition level. But when it got to the NHL, like any player transitioning from college to the NHL, especially a centerman, you're going to see some uh, numbers go down. You're going up against bigger, stronger, smarter guys who have decades of experience in the face-off dot. So, obviously, that's going to happen, I think, with time. Shane Pinto is going to bring those face-off numbers up and you're going to see his value rise because that's a big part of his game. Let's think back to UND. Shane Pinto was put out there for almost every high leverage uh, face-off situation. And more often than not, he'd snap it back and the team gets possession, a a scoring chance, or even better, a goal. So I think uh, part of Shane Pinto's rankings relies on his face-offs improving. If we see those face-offs improving, I think the rest of the scouting world is going to take notice and he's going to rise up in those ranks. But, I mean, by the time he improves the face-offs enough, he's no longer going to be uh, in this prospect category, right? So that's kind of a moot point, I guess. But what I'm saying is I can see why he's a little lower because he did not bring that we always talk about it. The one factor that defines you as a prospect, he wasn't able to bring that up to a higher level. So I think that's what kind of has detained him a little bit, but he's going to get right back up there because we know what Shane Pinto can do. He's a great defensive center and he can also put some pucks in the back of the net as well. He's also as driven as any other athlete that you could see in the NHL. He was on TSN 1200 this week. By the way, tweet at him, tell him to come on the show because he agreed to do it. And then I haven't heard from him since. So everyone tweet at Shane Pinto. Say, when are you coming on Locked On Senators? We'll see if a little, uh, what do you call it, where you're being convinced by your friends and you have to do it? A a little peer pressure, Ross. A little peer pressure never heard in this situation. So tweet him at Shane Pinto. We know he's active on there. Uh, He's also a beauty. We know how high I've been on him. And Mitch Brown did the write-up. Again, another guest of the show. You can go back and listen to his interview, but this, I just want to read a part of the write-up because he starts out by saying for most prospects, if you have below average skating and puck handling, you probably don't have a good chance of being a quality NHLer. But with Shane Pinto, his hockey IQ is so good and he's a dangerous shooter as well. How nice will that be when you've got, as long as Shane Pinto reaches his potential, him and Josh Norris, two guys who play in the middle of the ice and can both absolutely rip pucks past goalie so he's got nhl timing he's got instincts a two-touch shot and after two seasons of significant growth he projects as an above average playmaker doing mainly what he does as a shooter which is getting the puck and moving it quick so every time he gets the puck whether he's going to shoot or pass he knows what his next maneuver is before it happens 
And that's what makes Shane Pinto special. And it's also what makes the next guy on this list extremely special. And I'm going to tease it a little further because Shane Pinto, one last note, I want to get your opinion on this, Pilsy, because I don't think he's ever going to play for Belleville. I think he steps in and, and earns a spot right at a training camp. But you saw what worked with, with Josh Norris, playing him down there. We've seen that AHL seasoning really help some players. So what would you think of this scenario? What if Shane Pinto were, were to start in Belleville, Ridley Gregg makes the team out of camp, plays his nine games, then you send him down, and at that point, Pinto probably has six or seven AHL games under his belt. It's about the same amount that Thomas Shabbat, Eric Carlson, those guys played. And then you bring Pinto up afterwards. I, I like the idea, and it's uh, and it's a smart way of kind of maneuvering uh, guys like that. But I don't see DJ Smith ever doing that, Ross, because that totally goes against his you got to earn it kind of uh, ideology, right? Like imagine the message being like, yeah, Shane Pinto, you were an amazing second line center in the NHL for a couple years, but just contract wise and moving guys around, we're going to start you down a level and you're going to take a massive pay cut just so we can see nine games of Ridley Gregg come up here and just to send him back down to the WHL. You're cool with that, right, Shane? I don't think, uh, I don't think that conversation would go about very well. And the Ottawa Senators, this would be a different conversation if, as Eugene Melnick basically stated, they needed a veteran number one center. If they had acquired one of those, then sure, we can start talking about Shane Pinto going to the NHL and seasoning and going the Josh Norris route, which would be great. Also, another quick point to add to is Josh Norris had that major injury uh, a little while before, so he didn't get to play all his development years um, properly, right? So I think that's why they're like, all right, we're not going to send him up to the NHL right away. Let's see what he can do in the AHL. Whereas Shane Pinto has been healthy. He's been able to develop through those years. So I think that's a little bit of a different um, road to the NHL. But Shane Pinto, they don't have a... They, who else is going to be their second line center, Ross? Like Chris Tierney? Colin White? Nick Paul? No. Like he, he is the best guy for that position right now. So if the Ottawa Senators are in the business of winning games, which Dorian said it himself, the rebuild is over, then they got to get Shane Pinto. They got to have the best lineup possible to win NHL games. And Shane Pinto is that guy at a second line center in between Tim Stutzla and Connor Brown. So I don't really see a scenario where DJ Smith doesn't have Shane Pinto in that same spot because it was a recipe for success last season. I was just scrolling back in, in our over 350 episodes ago and on June 20th 2018 Pilsy we put out our episode 41 of making sense of the sense it was entitled the rebuild begins <laughs> so now the rebuild is over that took a little while but hey it's in its next phase like the pieces are accumulated all that and I agree with your point on Pinto and contract wise I do think Colin White has the inside track of getting a chance to be that second-line center, will he seize it? I don't know. But when you've committed the amount financially to him, I almost think you want to give him one more chance, especially after such a disappointing year. It might be good. Like, he was a healthy scratch at the start of last season, right? So maybe if he comes into camp, DJ wants to reward him for getting in great shape or, or whatever the case may be. But I do think we could see Colin White alongside Shane Pinto and Connor Brown to start the season. Okay, so... Shane Pinto at 38, Jacob Bernard Docker at 96. And how about some respect for Jake Sanderson? Elite prospects having Jake Sanderson higher on their overall 
prospect rankings than they had him among his 2020 draft class peers before the draft. And that just speaks to the write-up where the more you watch him, the better he gets. Fifth, right where he was drafted in 2020. They have him as the fifth ranked prospect in the entire National Hockey League, the second ranked defenseman. Pretty solid position for Jake Sanderson here. Absolutely, yeah. And and the thing is, and we talk about it, this in our rankings, it's the groupings of tiers that you're in. And what a nice sight for Sens fans. A little t- a little tough to see, but to have Jake Sanderson right in between Bowen Byram and Marit Sider, right? Like though, when you're talking about elite defensive uh, prospects, those are the two names you always hear. So having Jake Sanderson with those guys is awesome. Wait, none of those guys were named Jamie Drysdale. Yeah, he's a little farther down this list, which, uh, you know, it, it is what it is. And uh, But as far as Jake Sanderson goes, like, it's a similar story to JBD, right? Like, if you're not a Sens fan, if you're just, if like, let's say you're uh, a scout and you're looking at uh, Jake Sanderson, you look at his numbers, you're like, man, that's okay, like, whatever. So you probably put him down lower on your, on your rankings. But if you take the time to watch the games and watch the tape, like a lot of these guys at EP do, and a lot of scouts are getting more um, used to Jake Sanderson here, you're going to see that it's the little things that don't add up on the score sheet that he does so well. Like that, um, that YouTube video, again, uh, if you didn't uh, check out our interview with EP's Mitch Brown, definitely go check it out. He's so good at explaining how he scouts guys and what he sees and what he likes. But watch his YouTube video on Jake Sanderson too because he goes over it. There must be like 10 different plays where Jake Sanderson makes an amazing move in transition to create an offensive chance. Maybe it doesn't always end up in a goal, which doesn't end up looking at as an assist. Doesn't look like he gets a lot of points on the score sheet. But if you look at all those chances he creates and the amount of minutes he plays a night in, and he's trusted by his coach, Brad Barry, in the toughest situations. I mean, he played like an hour of hockey in that five overtime game. Like this is a guy who shift in and shift out. He's going to do all the little things right. And he's not generally, he's not going to make many mistakes that go back the other way. And where, when you're a top four or top pair defenseman in the NHL, sometimes that's an amazing attribute because you don't want guys that are often taking risks, especially young defensemen and leaving themselves exposed. Jake Sanderson is not going to do that. And often, you don't see a highlight reel defensive play because Jake Sanderson stops it before it needs to get to a highlight reel situation. Like he just has good gap control that that player doesn't even get past him into the ozone and he doesn't have to make a great play. He's already squashed that already. So it's the little things. And I think uh, in the write-up, they mention it perfectly. It's the sum of all the parts together that make Jake Sanderson such an amazing prospect. I'm so excited to watch this chase of the Hobie Baker going on. And um, number one prospect, by the way, just for completeness sake. And it's worth the subscription to EP Rinkside and the Elite Prospect. You get all the game logs on on each player's page as well. It's like nine bucks a month, something like that. Um, So I would recommend it. But just for completeness sake, one, two, three goes Byfield, Zegris, and Cole Caulfield on uh, on their their list there. I see you smirking. Whereas uh, Jamie Drysdale is 13th. So quite the contrast where Jake Sanderson has now, in their eyes, overtaken Drysdale among 2020 draft defensemen. So that's great stuff with, uh, with Jake Sanderson. I mean, we've talked about him ad nauseum on this show. I cannot wait to see him back in the action. It was great to see a photo of him, Aleem's Martian, Posted at uh, the K train and Jake Sanderson walking around the Ralph. And uh, you can bet Pilsy and I will be down at the Ralph 
at some point this year. Hey, if you're interested in, uh, we'll let you know which game we're at. If we want to get, imagine having a whole section full of Sens fans at Nodak. So, hey, we'll, we'll tweet out when we decide which game we're going to go down to uh, make our pilgrimage to North Dakota after all this time. Go see our boy Alex Heinert, Jake Brandt, those beauties. And, uh, and we'll definitely get a sit down with uh, Jake Sanderson as well. So lots to come throughout the season. And the reason we can do all this fun events and the reason with Growth Locked On is with our great sponsors like Rock Auto. So let's drive on over to our organizational value rankings with a word from Rock Auto, the family business that serves auto parts to customers online. They've been doing this for 20 years, guys. That's a stamp of longevity. means they're doing something right. They have everything there. That helps. Engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil. You can even get new carpet for your car. Whether it's for your classic or daily drive, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate quickly. See all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and most importantly, yes, the prices you prefer. The price at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same, whether you're a professional or just doing it yourself. So the question remains, why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Don't do it. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. All we ask is that you put locked on. That's locked on. And they're, how did you hear about us, Box? That way, they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. Ross, and if you love having stuff delivered directly to your door from an online website, it's, it's just easy, it's nice, it's simple. The best in the business in the protein bar industry is Built Bar. There's nothing that I like more than coming home and seeing a Built Bar box on my doorstep, and it's a new flavor from Built Bar. I talked about the banana cream pie Built Puffs. Hopefully you tried those, but there's so many more amazing flavors to try. Try. And the best thing about Built Bar is all the bars are covered in 100% chocolate. You've got to love that. They're soft. They're easy to chew. And they're low calorie, low sugar, but high protein, high fiber. So you get the good, not the bad, but you also get amazing flavor. Now let's head to some of those flavors of Built Bar protein bars. It's summer. The berries are fresh. Another way to enjoy some nice berries is a Built Bar. How about a strawberry Built Bar to start your day off? So much protein backed in there. You get nice chocolatey uh, surrounding. You get the soft, easy to chew texture. I love Built Bar strawberry flavor. So check that out today. And the way you can do that is go to BuiltBar.com. And hey, we're the Locked On Centers podcast. We're going to hook you guys up with the promo code for being loyal, valuable listeners. And Built Bar wants you to try out their products. So Use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. That's a hell of a deal, guys. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. It's Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. All right, Pilsy. Back to the organizational value rankings. We've been counting down from 59. And if you've missed any of it, you know to go back and listen to all episodes of Locked On Senators, wherever you download your podcast, whether it's Google, Apple, Spotify, the Odyssey app, or you can watch us on YouTube. Pilsy, we're at number 33, and this one's going to be quick because we don't know much about him. He hasn't played a hockey game in a year and a half, but that's going to change soon as the right shot defenseman, 49th overall draft pick in this recent draft, Ben Roger, makes his debut 
on our value rankings at number 33. Yeah, big, big Ben Roger makes his debut. Six foot four, 201 pounds, a right shot defenseman. He was selected 49th overall by the Ottawa Senators in this draft. And yeah, unfortunately, he was one of those kids that he was part of the OHL group. The OHL didn't get off the ground last year, so he missed an entire season of development in his draft year. That's always tough. But we can look at the year before, 35 games, two goals, four assists for six points. He's not a guy that's going to be racking up points. He's known better for his uh, defensive prowess. He's able to get a good gap when you're six foot four. You've got a lot of reach. And he's someone that he's not going to allow opponents to get into that uh, offensive zone easily. So I think it's going to be exciting to get to watch Ben Roger uh, play in the OHL this season. I'm going to be going to games in Owen Sound and in Barrie. Whenever the London Knights are in town, I'm going to try to get tickets. We've got our boots on the ground scout Jack Pye over in in, uh, London. So we're definitely going to get some reports from him on Ben Roger. And yeah, I mean, all we can really say is we like this guy for his size. He's got a lot of uh, time and room to develop. So let's see what he can do in a full OHL season. October 8th, the OHL season gets underway, at least for London that day. So, hey, guess what, Pillsy? Their second game of the season at Owen Sound on a Saturday night. So you'll get the initial scouting report from there. This guy put on 35 pounds since he last played. Upper, I was going to say professional London Knights, maybe. But <laughs> um, he has put on a ton of weight since he last played. So I'm excited to see, man. Six foot four, 200 pounds right now and, and only getting stronger. So Ben Roger, the jury's out. Big Ben, though. Great nickname. Super original. I like it. As we move up to a guy who isn't big, but who plays big. Up 14 spots from last year. He's a goal per game NHLer. Coming in at number 32, Parker Kelly, the shift disturber. One of our favorite guys, Ross. I loved watching him in Belleville. Uh, I think we mentioned it a bunch of times, but he had a slow start to his AHL career. And then just through hard work, practicing with Troy Mann, figuring out what he needs to do, he really turned things on in the later half of that season. And that showed going into this season with Belleville. And like you said, goal per game guy in the NHL. But in Belleville this year, 33 games, 10 goals, 8 assists, good for 18 points. And he was someone that consistently was a big part of that Belleville team. Like, he really made things easier on some of those younger guys. I mean, he's a young guy himself, only 22, only with one AHL uh, season under his belt before that. So, Parker Kelly, he's a guy that I'm very interested in because he's someone that I think DJ Smith really trusts to play a fourth-line role in the NHL. And Troy Mann trusts him to play a pivotal role when he's down in Belleville. So he's someone that can go up and down easily. I think he's probably going to spend most of his time in Belleville, but I could see a scenario similar to last year when the trade deadline comes and if uh, some guys are shipped out and there's roster spots uh, more easily available or they're just trying to get a look at what they have from some of the, their younger guys in Belleville. He might get a couple NHL games at the end of the season. But either way, I think this is going to be a big year for Parker Kelly. I think he's really much more comfortable doing his role, like playing a hard physical game now that he's got a little more experience under him. And that shows on the ice for sure. So with Parker Kelly, if he does end up in Belleville, like you said, I think he's going to wear an A down there. This guy won the Jonathan Petra Award two years in a row. I believe one time he shared it with Brady and the other time he won it outright. The Jonathan Petra Award, that's about as high of an honor as you can receive if you know anything about Jonathan Petra and the legacy he left behind battling every single day. So that award goes to the hardest worker at Sens Development Camp who somebody's going to win it 
new this year because Parker Kelly has graduated from dev camp. And you see there's guys who are older than him who are still going back. And that tells you, I think, a pretty big insight into what the organization believes Parker Kelly can be. And how about the fact that this guy was undrafted? I've heard Trent Mann talk about it saying, we needed to get this guy signed because if he went back to Prince Albert undrafted, you're damn right he would have been scooped up in the next year's selection. So they get a free draft pick, free asset, just like Jonathan Aspero in Parker Kelly. And yeah, it was a tough start. Like he, he got one goal in his first five games right after he signed um, coming out of his of his WHL. He actually went back to the WHL afterwards. So it was just kind of an amateur tryout at the end of that season. But then in his first full year in Belleville and full in quotations because COVID cut everything short. Yeah, it was it was tough. Tough sledding for him offensively. He was still disturbing as he does. But the goals started coming. He finished with 10 in 57. And then this past year, Pilsy, he gets 10 goals, but he played in 23 less games. So he's definitely starting to contribute more offensively. Two more points as well, I should mention, in the less of a sample size, double the penalty minutes, getting more comfortable in uh, in the role that he's going to play ultimately at the pro level. So I, I just think that he's such a fun player to watch because he never takes a shift off. He never takes a segment off, like a, a specific scenario in the game. He's in there battling, and these players who, who played against him in that last game of the year against Toronto, they're going to know when Parker Kelly's buzzing around out there because he makes himself known every single shift despite not being the biggest guy coming in under 200 pounds, six feet tall, probably on skates. He's not, you know, he's not going to wow you with his size, but at the end of the year too. So he got that one goal in one game and mind you, he only played seven and a half minutes in that game. He goes back down to Belleville and he gets six points in his final five games, 16 penalty minutes. He's plus four and has 12 shots on goal. So that added confidence, I think, is going to carry into this year. And you're going to see a great season. I'm calling it right now. The surprise player in the organization could be Parker Kelly this year. Yeah, I mean, it's not that crazy, especially because he's someone that uh, originally you look at un undrafted, like you mentioned, and you got so many good, dra highly drafted uh, prospects in the system. Sometimes he gets lost in the shuffle, but what he's able to do on the ice definitely catches your eye. And for him to be able to score a goal in just seven minutes of work, and I'm pretty sure Jake Muzzin remembers who Parker Kelly is uh, after that short amount of time too, because that was, um, th that was simply a fact of, Parker Kelly wanted that goal more than any of the Leafs players wanted to keep it out of their net. And that's what happened. So definitely excited about uh, Parker Kelly and very excited about our next uh, guy on the list here as well, Ross. Oh, yeah. And we don't know much about this guy. But Parker Kelly coming in at 32nd on our list. I think he projects as a left winger, although the guy is a natural center through his junior career as well. You can never have too many of those guys. He's going into the final year of his entry level contract okay to number 31 so we've kind of gone back and forth because we went draft pick this year ben roger then a guy who's a high jumper we're going to get to another high jumper a guest of locked on senators but before we do number 31 it's zach ostapchuk from the vancouver giants and talk about a giant start to his season post draft now he's coming to sense dev camp but four goals four goals in his first scrimmage with the Giants? Hell yeah. Ross, that's absolutely sick. Four goals. That's the way to get it done. And if there's one thing we know Zach Ossobchuk can do, it's score goals. And if you've seen any highlights of him with the Vancouver Giants in the WHL, 
he's really good at kind of driving the lane and working hard to get towards the net. And he's got the size that allows him to do that at six foot three, 198 pounds. He scored seven goals last year in the WHL, but again, the WHL had a weird season, only 22 games. So 16 points in 22 games is pretty solid, especially when you're comparing it to the season before where he only had eight points in 44 games. So he definitely was given a, a more, a bigger role so that he's able to score more goals. And I think a lot of scouts and a lot of people around, um, you know, the prospect world, they obviously hated what the Ottawa Senators do in the draft. That's an annual theme. But a lot of them, I find, said that Zach Ossipchuk was a pick they really liked, and they see a lot of upside there. Maybe they don't like him how early they picked him, which is fine. You can you can have your opinion on that. But now that he's in the Senators system, he's a guy that will likely play center throughout junior, but also can play on the wing. But I see him as being a good power forward that has some offensive upside. And I'm excited to see what he can do in the WHL, Ross. And uh, maybe you'll get a chance to catch a couple of his games live uh, as a WHL boots on the the ground scout now. Yeah, that's just it. Well, what I do also like, I mean, four points his last three games. He won his division's most improved player year over year. So that's all great. But what's also enticing is the huge frame and skating abilities. His hands are awesome as well. He's six foot three, still growing in that frame, just a shade under 200 pounds at the moment. So he, he's shown a couple highlight reel goals, right? He's weaving through the neutral zone, cutting through defenders. So I just think that with him, patience is going to be a virtue. He'll go back playing the WHL this year. He'll probably play there next year as well, and that's okay because the development curve for him, I think, is going to be slow and steady. And then once he turns pro and he's got a bit more man strength, he'll win more battles in the corner, and that will allow him to add two or three more elements to his game on both sides of the puck. So that's going to be great to see with Austin Chuck and Man, what kind of message do you think he sent to his Vancouver teammates when he gets four goals in an exhibition like scrimmage, albeit, but it was refereed. It was a normal style scrimmage, not the one that you play at your local men's league. So when when you have that and then you're like, all right, boys, see you later. I'm going off to NHL camp. That's got to leave a pretty good feeling uh, and, and your confidence level, too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Especially because that that's someone that, uh, you know, maybe he wasn't expecting to go in the second round of the NHL draft. And now he's he's got that boost of confidence. Like the Ottawa Senators, they really wanted me. And now I'm going to show them that they made a great choice. And what a great way to start off. I mean, you you can only uh, do as well as the games you're, you have a chance to play. And sure, it's a WHL scrimmage. Say what you want. But scoring four goals is pretty damn good, if you ask me. So that's a great way to get sent off towards your first NHL camp. All that's missing was the chicken parms, the two chicken parms, and it was absolutely sick. All right, so Zach Ostapchuk comes in at number 31, and now we go to number 30. And I petitioned to get this guy a little bit higher. I think that a good season upcoming will put him right where he needs to be. And coming in on his first year of his three-year entry-level contract, because he's such a good guy, he ended up just signing an amateur tryout for the rest of this season allowing that contract to slide he's a guest of locked on senators and he's up 15 spots from where we had him last year it's north vancouver's finest it's angus crookshank Crooker, yeah, definitely. Uh, we loved having him on the show. Again, if you haven't listened to that interview, you got to go back. He was very excited to be on the show, which is awesome. And uh, it definitely showed that uh, he wanted to chat and uh, we had a great conversation. And Angus Crookshank, he... 
man, for him to be able to come into the AHL and and string together points in, I think it was six straight games, he had eight points to start off your pro career, especially when he was kind of thrown into it, like you hear on uh, on our episode with him. But man, 19 games and 16 points. Like this is someone that uh, we heard Sokolov talk about him too, that he was a big part of making goals easy to score because he could set guys up. He's got good hockey IQ. And even though maybe the size isn't there, he's 5'11", 181 pounds. He's still got some, some time to grow, some room to grow. He signed his deal, like Ross said, and he had a pretty good year. Uh, the last, I mean, consistently at University of New Hampshire, his first season there, 36 games, 20 23 points, then 34 games, 22 points, then 20 games and 18 points. So he's basically a point per game guy in his last season of college. And then he transferred that over to basically being a point per game guy in Belleville. So the consistency is there for Angus Cruikshank. There's a lot of parts to his game that I like. And I think he's someone that's going to be an important depth piece for the Belleville Senators. And maybe even one day, if things go all right, he can be a depth piece for the Ottawa Senators. I would love to see that. That would be absolutely fantastic. And I look at his first practice, maybe not going his way, but his first game certainly did. He started what was an eight-game point streak where he had nine points in his first eight games? It was six six, uh, straight games, eight points. Okay, I knew the number eight was in there somewhere. But he also ended the season well also, where he had five points in his last six games there too so you, you look what he brings and he's embracing the sense culture he said sicko mode in his last instagram post he's having fun not the biggest guy by any means under six feet tall but he plays hard he plays in your face hockey he'll scrum it up after the whistle he's not scared of anybody he was going at it with logan stanley the uh, the huge defenseman in the jets organization so i just see that fearlessness and I see a guy who can contribute off the wing in a playmaking aspect as well. He's got great wheels, great vision. And those two paired together will also signify a lot of assists coming up. But he can also bury the puck. You look at, I know when you scroll back a little too far, you're like, okay, obviously he's going to be unbelievable playing minor hockey in his last year of minor hockey, 42 goals in 35 games. So funny. But even in the BCHL, before going to college, over a point-per-game guy. And then that translated to his final year at college, where he was just about a point-per-game guy. And if you add up his University of New Hampshire junior season this past year and his time in Belleville, man, you're looking at, at a guy who almost had 40 points in 40 games. And in terms of sample sizes that we're going to see over the course of a COVID-shortened season – That impressed the hell out of me. So we're big Angus Crookshank guys. And I say that even before he said that that was the best intro he ever received. Oh, and we had him on. So, hey, Crooker, I'm excited to see. Like Parker Kelly and Angus Crookshank, to me, they're both guys who can take a huge step forward this year. And that's why we jumped them so high up the list. Because they showed in this shortened season they had the potential. So now I want to see them carry it in to a full year and beyond because the talent is absolutely there for both of those guys. Yeah, I agree. And uh, they're similar type guys, right? Like they kind of fly under the radar, but their work ethic and doing what the coach needs them to do, shift in, shift out, has shown that they're very good hockey players and that they can provide a valuable uh, asset to any team that they're on. And Angus Cruikshank, yeah, the points that he's putting up is just ridiculous. So definitely excited for Crooker this season in Belleville. I think he's going to play a massive role there. 
Do you think he plays NHL games this year? No, I don't think so. And I don't think there's any need for that, right? Like there's there's so many other guys that are, are ahead of him and uh, could use a look at the NHL level. So I think for now, I think even he's comfortable just staying in Belleville. He only had 19 games there. So if he could get a full, more regular style season in Belleville, I think it'd be good for his development. So you'd call up a guy like Agazino or one of those more veteran like Pontus Aberg before Crookshank this year, just let him marinate, let him kind of get his feet under him at the pro level? Absolutely. And I think that's a big reason why those guys were brought in, right? Like they don't want to have a situation where they need to bring Parker Kelly up uh, at an instance moment if if there's an injury, right? They want to have guys who they're comfortable bringing up at an NHL level and then let those guys just stay in Belleville, focus on Belleville. Don't have that kind of distraction like, oh, am I getting called up? What's going on? Uh, you know your place in Belleville. It's only your second season there. Let's just have um, a nice season, develop it in Belleville. And I think that's that's the plan, really. So coming in at number 30 on our organizational value rankings, up 15 spots, like I mentioned, it's Angus Crookshank. So to recap today, number 33, Ben Roger, number 32, Parker Kelly, number 31, Zach Ostapchuk, and number 30, Angus Crookshank. Okay, Pilsy, do you think that next time we talk, so next week it's going to be Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Pilsy's going out camping. I'm going to be in Halifax, Nova Scotia next time we record. I'm going to finally the move's done. Everything's done with the move. And now it's time for a little vacation to sit by the beach and relax. And then the following week, starting on September 20th, which is so great, the timing that we go back to five shows a week, Pilsy, because we're going to have a Sens game to talk about on that Monday, the rookie tournament against Montreal. On the 18th, you can, of course, follow us on Twitter at Send Central for up-to-the-minute stats, news, analysis on there. We usually post a few clips from the show as well. And uh, then Monday, man, we got a kick in five days a week. Monday, September 20th, we'll be back. So great to be with you in Collingwood, Pilsy. And, hey, 16 days, you're going to be in Winnipeg with my car. Thank you. And we're going to be watching Senators Hockey live and in person. It cannot come soon enough. Uh, when's the last time, last time you saw the Sens live would have been – 28-17 against the that game we saw? No, actually, the last time I saw the Sens live, Buffalo. I went to Buffalo. Yeah, which uh, I haven't been to the CTC. Probably that uh, game you mentioned, that afternoon uh, New York Rangers game where we didn't show up till midway through the first period. But that'll happen. That'll happen for sure. So definitely, I'm going to get out to the CTC much more often this year. And uh, definitely, we got to try to get uh, some Sens Central citizens together. And uh, I, I, I can't, I don't, even though it's preseason and it's in Winnipeg I'm so excited for this game because I haven't seen a live hockey game in it's sad to say but at this point it's now years that I haven't seen a live hockey game so I don't care if we're looking at all fourth liners and uh, guys that probably won't play in the NHL just give me some live sense hockey let's go give me a Ben Rogers sighting I just want to see this guy play like oh man but I want to see Chandler Romeo let's go yeah 100% well hey those guys will be at dev camp which starts tomorrow so as we mentioned at Send Central on Twitter. We're going to do our best to get you all the updates you need from Dev Camp. And guys, we did it. We did it again. The offseason is officially over. And well, maybe it'll be officially, officially over once the uh, future captain gets a new contract. So knock on wood that that happens this weekend. Everyone enjoy your families. The last few rays of sunshine before we get into full-fledged hockey season. Okay, for Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day.